Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another Top 10 Debate. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to discuss huge wrestling moments that must happen by 2022. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views. We have interviews round table discussions and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz of course on WrestleCulture. As I said though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to discuss his article which is available right now at whatculture.com. 10 huge wrestling moments that must happen by 2022. And before we dive into this Sid, what was the catalyst? What was the inspiration behind this list? A bit of a behind the curtain scoop on the content game. Sometimes just a thought enters one's head and you think how can I get a list out of that? Can I think of nine more similar thoughts? And indeed I did, which I arrived at the list. Um, ahead of SummerSlam, I'm thinking Roman Reigns has to win. Mm-hmm. John Cena is a part-time star. He has to lose to Roman Reigns, but how? He's going to get over. He's already over. Should he tap him out? Is Roman Reigns... The idea with Roman Reigns right now is, unless it's going to be Brock Lesnar, which would be hilarious... People will hate it, but it'll still be funny. Unless Brock Lesnar's going to beat him and he'll win the title back from Brock Lesnar, he is the most heavily protected star since Brock Lesnar. And the thrill for many fans is that he's full-time. This is the most they've gone all in on a single star since Roman Reigns, the baby face. But the key distinction is this heel character absolutely rules. And I was thinking ahead of SummerSlam, you know what, they should put him all the way over... John Cena's entire latter period shtick was how he would never give up. He would never tap out. It was like the sacred idea that was very marketable to kids, an inspirational gimmick that was great for PR, but it was folded into his work because he would never tap out. In WWE, tapping out, the fans chanted at it. In like MMA, you'll know this, Willborn. It's mm-hmm. not a disgrace. It's like a clever decision that will save you from um, serious injury. Um, through the, le- the pro wrestling lens... It's like a chickeny cowardly pussy, pussy thing. You little do. bitch, you pussy. <laughs> you should let your arms snap. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. But the idea is that because it's such this honourable thing that you mustn't tap out, otherwise you're not a babyface. Like how awesome would it be to put this Roman Reigns character all the way over the top? 
if you had a tapped out John Cena at SummerSlam, unfortunately it didn't happen, so we won't discuss it any further here. But the idea was that there are nine other things that are big events that wrestling fans need to happen and in some cases as we'll delve into deserve to happen but the thing with tapping out as well just before we move on there are very few real achievements left in wwe Mm. over the years it's been quite an insidious gradual process the royal rumble winner it's kind of a pick em between who's quarter hours. It's not like a true megastar or superstar on the rise. Um, so many of them haven't actually headlined WrestleMania. Um, so that's lost its luster. It's the vehicle it used to be anyway. Everyone still loves the Rumble. Even I still love the Rumble. Money in the Bank. I know Big E had a very successful and well-received cash-in, but that has died for a while. Um, so that doesn't really feel like this major achievement. Um, the titles have been relentlessly devalued over the years. Tapping out John Cena is legitimately a shortcut to an iconic moment that will really build someone's aura. So they'll have to do it at some point, but it obviously did not happen at SummerSlam 2021. It's a really interesting list, this, that covers both AEW and WWE. Let's start, actually, in in AEW, because there's a couple of entries here. I'm going to try and roll them into one uh, about kicking out of certain finishers. Now, your mind automatically goes to, of course, Kenny Omega's one-winged angel. No one is kicked out of it in AEW. And I sense maybe, maybe not, my time has no meaning, so I'm not exactly sure when things happened compared to when this list was written. But certainly, let's say six months ago, you and, sat, you and I had sat around had this conversation and said, who should kick out the one-winged angel? That's a list with one name on it, and that name is Hangman Page. You may well still believe that, but with the recent additions, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole... Intriguing to, to, to decide who does that, but you feel like that is one of the big things that needs to happen within the next, what are we on now? Uh, 15 months. Yes, absolutely. Um, process of elimination, since you asked the question, Punk, Danielson, do not need it. No. Adam Cole has entered the conversation, at least in my daft mark head, as someone who potentially could, but for me it has to be Hangman Page. It's the culmination of this incredibly well-built intricate, deft arc that he has undergone since the the launch and the formation of AEW. I'm at this point talking myself into the idea that if Hangman Page's coronation is delayed and Kenny Omega drops it to someone, Punk or Danielson, not named Hangman Page, it would still be true to Hangman Page's story and it would still be the best, like, last line of the chapter of this um, particular arc and what hopefully is a long and fabulous and fruitful career if he kicks out with the one-winged angel it could be symbolic of the fact that he's overcame his anxieties he's he's overcame the feeling that has plagued him since August 2019 when at All Out the inaugural All Out he was literally made to feel like he didn't belong in the elite when the Young Bucks refused to second him Mm -hmm. well the second did Kenny Omega for every one of his big matches. Even back then, it was deft. What's getting a little bit annoying for me, just as an incidental aside, is mm. everyone saying, oh, AEW's becoming really great, isn't it? It's like, if you think about it, yes, they've had some down spells. Yes, they've had a pandemic where it always felt either drab or when it was good, it was bittersweet. They've always been elite. That all-out card and the way it was sequenced was genuinely deft, possibly the very first deft thing that they <laughs> did. Because the Young Bucks ladder match, Escalera de la Muerte, was immediately before Hangman Page's title challenge in the first ever AEW title match opposite Chris Jericho. They sequenced that card 
with this incredible Hangman Page arc in mind because it's all very textured, shades of gray, like you conflicted one week to the next. It's all very absorbing. It just enables suspension of disbelief and getting like involved in the characters at a really intensely emotional level because the young books weren't dicks for saying, oh, well, you know, you're not Kenny Omega. You're not our closest friend, so I'm not going to second you. It's like five minutes before you go on the curtain, we are going to be broken and battered, having yeah. had like one of the most dangerous matches of we our know, careers. Yeah. Like, so that's the thing. Like, we can't account for how we're, well, we can't account for whether we're going to win or lose, but we're going to be absolutely screwed afterwards. Like, we can't really do it. And he interpreted that as a sign that they didn't have faith in him. And it was never that. And it's all completely mutated into this really sort of emo- emotionally sort of fractured saga. It all dates back to then. So the idea all along was. When he wins that world title, his arc is complete. He's made to feel elite because he's at the top of the industry. Um, so the title does have a lot to do with it. Some might argue everything to do with it, but since that particular first beat of this wonderful story, Kenny Omega, to Hangman Page's mind, personifies the idea of being elite, whether maybe in the future he's champion or not. And people have got such a connection with Hangman Page that I want... And I know this is anecdotal, but I do generally feel it's felt everywhere when you just listen to the audience reactions to Hangman Page. I was so into um, the drama of Winter is Coming, Mm -hmm. Moxie versus Omega, and people were thinking, well, Omega's going to win, but John Moxie's such a fabulous champion that no one really wanted to see see him drop it. It's funny how that happens because we had this conversation on the Dynamite Review, wherever you can get your podcasts from, about Miro. Yeah. They just do long-term title reigns uh, spectacularly well. But anyway, I taught myself into thinking, well, Moxley's so over and so great as champion, but he kind of has to drop it to um, Omega because it's time. It is Omega's time. And I thought, you know what? Should Moxley kick out the one-winged angel? And I tweeted this thought. I've never had a more unpopular reply thread. (laughs) I've never been, as the kids say, ratioed quite as much. And I know this is just my timeline, my followers, and I'm not the voice of the world of wrestling. But every single person was saying, no, it's Hangman. It's Hangman, it's Hangman, it's Hangman, it's Hangman, it's Hangman. Hangman has resonated with these people to such an extent that he's the only option. And this is genuinely, the one-winged angel has been built perfectly over the span of a decade, nearly. The last person to kick out of it and the only person to kick out of it, in fact, was Kota Ibushi um, in 2012. It's been the most mythologically protected finisher in all of professional wrestling since that date. And realistically, if Hangman Page kicks out of it with or without winning the title, that is the true indication of what story is mm. and what a journey he's sort of warranted. Yeah, I, you know, you'll excuse me for maybe treading over a topic that you've been over when talking about New Japan in the past, but I haven't really lived that in terms of I would watch the matches, but it was already when I knew the result and knew all the hype and buzz and talk about it. I knew what was going to happen. I just had to physically experience it. Whereas with this, yeah, again, you know, it, it no longer becomes about whether or not someone will kick out of a finisher. The, the, the story in half the matches, and including in the Hangman Page match when Kenny Omega faced him, is can he hit the move? Which yes. is, it just adds this whole other layer to it. Also, very quick note to self that I'm going to put this. Who should kick out the one wing angel as a question for this podcast? Because if that does that well on Twitter, then might as well, eh? Yeah, might as well get the, <laughs> might as well get the engagement where we can get it. Now, Kenny Omega built a 45-minute seminal match around not being able to hit it. The pop 
when Hangman Page kicks out of it, or indeed anyone, but it kind of has to be Hangman Page, people keep saying, the latest bit of discourse, what was it, before we move on very quickly, I know I waffle, but um, when Danielson and Cole debuted it all out and everyone was like, this is tits. <laughs> this is absolutely tits. What a great time to be an AEW fan. And they, you always get the, the idiots. I just don't know when the pops are going to, to stop, you know? At some point... It's a, it's a company built on pops. I love that because the implication is through gritted teeth and, you know, that mask meme. Oh God, it's a company based around pleasing the fans. When's this going to end? And it's like, well, it doesn't have to. WWE's ended in that regard, but it doesn't really have to elsewhere. Hammond Page kicking out of the One-Winged Angel, I'm telling you now, will get as big a huge pop out of any debut in this company's history. That's how well built it is. That's how that's the extent to which people identify and love the Hangman uh, Page character. You just reminded me to give a shout out to Brandon Thurston for that brilliant. Maybe AEW's booking itself too well. Yeah, fantastic that. A uh, quick word on the other finisher you talk about in this list: the the Judas effect. Who would you have kick out of that? Well, I was thinking it was a great way to get MGF over, but they've both emerged from that program absolutely fine. Um, it was less. 50-50, more 75-25, if you want to be really pedantic about it. Um, so I wouldn't... MGF doesn't need that. MGF's already a main event level talent in All Elite Wrestling. So realistically, I don't know. I mean, either. I was trying to think as you were talking there yeah. about who I would pick. Maybe a Jungle Boy as a just a little cherry on the icing on the cake because he slowly builds up. You know up. what? I love the idea because if you recall... In 2019, and this is going to get developed and explored further, but they didn't want to waste the Jungle Boy push. That is awesome. That we're living through now with Baltimore, full crowds. Um, Tony Khan instantly was like, nah, this needs to be in front of crowds to yes. play out. So they never again picked up the Jericho Jungle Boy thing because by the time Jungle Boy's push was happening and AEW did return in front of crowds, Jericho had already turned face. That is a really great shout because Jungle Boy... And again, like, I don't know. Uh, maybe in twenty twenty four, I'll still be saying, oh, you know, Jungle Boy's still getting over by losing. That's how good he is and how uh, much people love him. But in lieu of a great win or a championship win or a long reign, him kicking out of the Judas effect is like one more little. He's nearly there. He's nearly there. He's nearly there. Feeling. And there is a story that's slightly based in reality, where the green monster can come out in in uh, in Chris Jericho and going, "Why are people singing his theme more than they're singing oh. my theme?" Wilborn, I love it. Like, legit, that's great. Mm. They would ha the, th the problem is they would have to play Judas to death to really make fans get sick of it. <laughs> right. Uh, well, we'll talk more about MJF in due course, but let's stick with another topic uh, in AEW, and that is retirements. Now, retirements in the wrestling industry don't really mean anything. Uh, and you also, of course, had Cody Rhodes a while back teasing a full-on retirement so he can go and film the Go Big Show and come back and blah, blah, blah. But it has also informed his heel turn. So, well, not heel turn because he's not heel, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, retirements in, in in wrestling don't mean a thing. But one thing you've suggested that could happen in the next few months slash year is a genuine retirement in AEW. Absolutely. The thing about the retirement match is that with wrestling being wrestling and the spotlight craving egomaniacs who entertain us all by falling on their bodies so we shouldn't be that harsh to them. Um, not a single one of them, other than Blitzkrieg and WCW in 1999, <laughs> is literally the most notable name off the top of my head from people I've watched and really enjoyed. 
absolutely none of them have walked away. Just absolutely walked away. Uh, Leo Rush is back. Um, CM Punk's back. Like, the people who say they are done. Done, done, done. They hate the industry. They don't even... They're not even too broken to be in it anymore. They're just falling out of love with it. Everyone comes back. Absolutely everyone comes back. And at some point, they might, we talk about AEW in terms of the next TV deal, 2024 or 2023. I think it's 2024. One of the two. We talk about, oh, the next round rights fees negotiations are going to look great. Or they haven't even done the West Coast as a tour yet. They haven't even done the UK. They haven't done Canada there are still lots of milestones. There's still lots of growth. But ultimately, and they are the longest-term thinkers I can think of since Baba and Ghetto. Five years are going to pass. Ten years are going to pass. Fifteen years are going to pass. The idea is that they've built Cody as saying, I'm never going to again challenge for the title. That will take, in the minds of wrestling fans, I still get to, tweets, and again, it's just my timeline. But we still hear questions about well, when is Cody going to turn heel and then challenge because stipulations don't mean anything? It's like, well, they genuinely want to uphold this. Times might get desperate. Cody might just decide to change his mind. But the idea is... I mean, credit to them that they've not done it so far. They've not done it so far. It's been almost two years for wrestling. That's actually huge. The idea that I'm trying to put across here in my trademark long-winded way is that you want to build things now that you can benefit from in like 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Realistically, you want this to be indefinite. This thing that just is a thing forever. Yeah. If you start doing big money-drawing attractions and you adhere to them now, think of what you can do in 10 years' time when maybe Hangman Page is looking at the end of his career. In 20 years' time when an Adam Cole is looking at the end of his career and et cetera, et cetera. In theory... Wrestling's ruined this entirely. In theory, if you ignore all of wrestling for the past, your entire fandom of it, listening to this podcast, unless someone from NXT is listening to it, you know, (laughs) their primary demographic, they're 55 years old. Even they haven't seen anything like this. In theory, it's the absolute all or nothing, be all and end all, the highest possible stakes, putting your career on the line. None of it has any gravity whatsoever because no one ever really retires. The idea of a retirement match in itself, like I can't possibly, I could think of the most eloquent, eloquent, articulate, passionate, the best possible copy, the best promo I could possibly cut about the importance of a retirement match. And everyone's going to go, well, they don't work. So why go to those lengths? This potentially could be a really, really, really big deal for any wrestling promotion. It's the ultimate stipulation and if one person and given what people have said in media interviews and again you can't take them seriously these wrestlers are all carnies the closest are Cody Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega mm. um, Kenny Omega has said that he's closer than you might realize to hanging them up um, Cody has got a plan to go into politics in Hollywood um, Chris Jericho loves the limelight and I think we're just projecting his retirement onto him. Well, yeah, Chris Jericho, the closer he came to retirement, was going, I'm going to retire from in-ring competition and go to the announce <laughs> yeah, table. Yeah, I'm going to get closer to the ring as I possibly can. But seriously, they should do it and they should do it and uphold it because in 10 years' time, when you need a match, you've got something easy if someone decides, oh, I've had enough. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. From one improbable thing to another, WWE Evolution. It was a show you and I and Hamlet and all of us here at What Culture, to be perfectly honest, absolutely adored. It was tinged with, eh, they're doing this, but the bloody Saudi show, and that was the beginnings of yes. the Saudi shows as well, just starting. But it was sensational. All right. Maybe it didn't necessarily break the bank, you know, in terms of revenue that it brought in. Well, they need to because they got Saudi show and the Saudi deal and all that bollocks and TV deals yeah. and all the stuff we always talk about. But... It genuinely felt like a brilliant moment in wrestling. You go back and you look at that card, and I can, it's, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you're talking to me about Cena and Reigns, I was like, what was the finish to that match? And that was, what, weeks ago. This, I look at the card and go, oh, yeah, there was that, there was the Bellas, there was, you know, Ronda, there was Charlotte and Becky, there was all that sort of thing. It was, it was such a moment in time of, like, maybe WWE's all right, lads in terms of just being a good promotion. And it was so good, admittedly, again, it didn't do huge things for them. It didn't you know, get them huge press coverage or money or, or whatever. But it was so good that when the year rolled round, I didn't even, I, I was genuinely surprised that there wasn't automatically another evolution, like there is another Hell in a Cell or a, you know, SummerSlam or whatever it may be. They need to do this, don't they? Especially when you look at that roster, which is arguably better than it was when they did Evolution 1. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I loved Evolution. If I look back at WWE, like legitimately, I've completely fallen out of love with it. Um, it's genuinely, when I watch just the, the polish, I hate the sting, you know, the opening, then now forever. I hate it. It haunts me. <laughs> genuinely haunts me. That The opening sting of the former woo thing and then now forever. When I watch that, I get the same physical dread of being, it was the worst year of school I've ever had. Mostly enjoyed it. Year eight. Everyone hates year eight. Year yeah. nine. But year eight for me was like, 
I was transitioning between friendship groups, right? For our American listeners, you're what, 14? Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to talk about great sophomore. No, no, I've no idea. Fresh me. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Just, you know, make it seem, I don't know, numerical order. No, I don't get it. Anyway. <laughs> so that gut feeling of, oh, God, I've got graphics. <laughs> with I hate it, tech, DT. Tech, we had a, we had one called systems where you, like, you build things. It's like, useless at that. So I've got systems, I've got maths with like the Rajis who don't like us because I wear a Metallica hoodie. Uh, I don't want to go to school. Uh, that's a feeling I get watching WWE. It's the exact same thing and it's my job, so that's not good. The last time I legitimately thought, oh, there's, um, the format sucks. No one I really want to see getting pushed gets pushed. But the last time I was in a really sweet spot of, oh, I can accept the flaws because I'm also getting things I earnestly like. And I know it's not going to change, but these things are great. It was a very much a moment. I remember working with you at the time. It was very much a moment of like, I know this is all terrible. Look over there. Yeah. There's a fair in town. As 2018 went into 2019, I was genuinely really quite happy as a WWE fan. I know some of it's rubbish, but some of it's awesome. Planet's champion Daniel Bryan, I legitimately loved that gimmick as much as I loved anything about AEW so far. Planet's champion, Daniel Bryan, yeah. I adored it. Daniel Bryan versus a burger at the Royal Rumble. It was absolutely stunning stuff. Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles at TLC. Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. 20, early 2018, he had Ronda Rousey. Me and Hamlet adored Ronda Rousey's run. I'm not a big proponent of blaming wrestling fans for wrestling shows or being rubbish or hijacked or wrestlers getting turned on, but everyone was such a knob to Ron- Ronda Rousey. Pissed me off to high heaven. Um, I don't think she's the nicest person in the world, but what a goddamn worker. Um, Congratulations on a new arrival. Yes, whose name that I couldn't hope to pronounce. Yeah, no idea. Um, and evolution was a huge part of it. Yeah. Even during those bits where I've liked it, evolution, like literally from top to bottom, was a flawless show. Give us it again. The idea is, oh, they didn't make that much money. Didn't track that much. I was like, yeah, but other things will. You're not going to lose money or that much money. How about, this is such a wild concept, like making your fans happy more often than not, and then maybe you can regain a foothold and not have to do desperation booking whenever Monday Night Football happens again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's things that they'll never do, like long-term plans or little pockets of fan service that, you know, just they don't count and tick emotional investment in their audience because there's not a metric to support it. You know what I mean? So it pisses me off. Like, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair in a last man standing match. Like, 28 minutes that went. 28 minutes. Didn't dip at all. Flew by. I've never, well, rarely in the past however many years of WWE's particularly in-house style have I felt a genuine sense of animosity and hatred coming out of those two women. It was absolutely great. The problem is we all loved Evolution 2. Uh, Evolution 1, but Evolution 2, we all want it to happen, but Kevin Dunn says... No, dear, that's wrong. <laughs> but at the end of the day, just do it. Just do it. Do something novel. Like, make your fans... Even as a strategic idea, it's not a silly idea. Even as a cynical, strategic idea, book a show people want to see. Show itself doesn't make as much money as other shows. People slowly start to think we can trust this again, then be consistently get out of plan falls apart. Yeah, that's, that's the way. 
used logic. You've brought logic to a yeah. WWE fight. There's yep. your issue. But yes, I mean, in terms of, I mean, I, I, honestly, and I'm I'm gonna you're not you're gonna hate me for this, but I'm gonna become one of the mutants on Twitter that's often in your mentions. One of the few they've given up on us now. You know, have they? You know how that thing happens. AW puts on good good shows. Well. I don't get quote-tweeted to Oblivion anymore, nor do I get many replies, but I see this happening to other people. I've seen this happen in other people's lives, and now it's happening in mine. You'd see instead, you get a screenshot. Oh, for f- And I'm thinking, I'm getting screenshotted all over the place. In these ridiculous circles where they think IWC is an, an actual thing, and where they think Miz is the best Intercontinental Champion of all time, those weird oh. fan circles. I don't get quote-tweeted in them there. I'm convinced to get screenshot. Which is, you know, ignorance is bliss. But what I was going to say is, one of the few legitimate things they can actually throw at AEW is that their women's division is not as good as WWE's. You openly admit as much. Yeah, I mean, so it's changing now. Looking, yes. at, looking at the state of NXT, Dubai, oh, like AEW's women's division is better than that. Already. Um, main roster, I think there are more talented women on the main roster, and there's certainly more representation on the main roster. Yeah. I mean, it's rubbish. But it's, uh, there's a lot of it. There's more of it, certainly. Um, but yeah, if anything else, like they've got the head start, they should really start maximizing what they have over AEW because the the comparisons are just drastic at this point with that sole exception. The bare minimum, I know it's not going to happen this year, but at the bare minimum, at least make October more bearable in terms of, oh, God, we're going to Saudi. Yeah. We're going to get a Goldberg match. And like you say, Brock Lesnar might just completely ruin this Roman Reigns thing. It's no fault of his own, not Brock Lesnar's fault, but it's you know, them and it's <sighs> what the Saudis want to see. So, yeah, please, at least consider it. Um, let's talk about the Forbidden Door. Yes. Because, well, it seemed another thing that was impossible a few years ago, you know, you could sit here and we could write lists about, like, dream matches between WWE and New Japan, or even if Daniel Bryan was sat there going, I'd really like to do go and work in New Japan. We debated it, like, earlier this year when all that talk was like, will he get convinced to stay? And you were talking about him being fed-pilled, and maybe they'll just 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 a slightly ajar forbidden door in terms of letting him have one match or yeah. two matches, or go over there and do whatever you want, but come back and what have you. It's been blown off its hinges now yes. by AEW. And the next step is not just bringing in stars to appear on Dynamite or show, you know, wrestle on some of the big AW pay-per-views or people going the opposite way or seeing, you know, Lance Archer defend the IWGP US Championship or whatever that may be. It's a super show, which, to bring it all back, was something you were lucky enough to attend when we went to WrestleMania in 2019, was it? Yeah, I went to the uh, New Japan ROH Supercard, which... New Japan put the super in it, and ROH put the card in it. <laughs> like, it didn't really count. It's ROH completely crapped the bed, and between them crapped the bed, which I found perversely entertaining. A lot of people watched it on telly was like, we're getting an 8 out of 10 New Japan show instead of a 10 out of 10 New Japan show, which is really overlong because ROH are taking the piss. I loved it live. I thought the ROH stuff was funny to watch, like, real ROH diehards just hate it. Regardless, it didn't really count, so I, I need one now because that mm. wasn't a supercar. It's a great New Japan card. Love that, but whatever. Uh, I'm going to have to word this sensitively. But, like, 2020 wasn't a great time to be a wrestling fan. Like, I loved a lot of AEW's improbably great um, pandemic output. And uh, 
even then, I'm working on a project. I'm mm. currently researching and writing about AEW's pandemic output as we uh, record. And uh, going back to it, it's like, oh, there was a lot of latitude shown towards AEW's pandemic output and very few things about WWE's because we were in a different headspace at that time. And hopefully we can talk about those things in the past tense. Mm. So when you go back and watch it now, even what was good then, now that we're back in the live environment, it was like, Jesus Christ, like we did them a favor. Like a lot of fans collectively by persisting with that product. And I know we were bargaining. That's as much better than you would think it is. It's like we just wanted it to be that great. And it was a collective endeavor to make this more tolerable, to keep talking about it because it's just uncanny, bittersweet, no crowds, all the rest of it. And 2020 as well. And I don't want to conflate these things. You have to be really sensitive when we talk about that. But we also had the speaking out movement. And I mentioned that, not to say that, oh, a big super show, make it all better. Because I'd much rather every promotion transparently ran through its guidelines, what it did, who was accused, blah, 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 never ever going to happen. But all I'm saying this for is to really compound, to try and remind people, one, that we should never gloss it over, to just how awful it was at times, day to day, persisting with wrestling. I'm not convinced I would have had I not done this job professionally. No. The sickening feeling I had in my stomach, certain, I don't want to conflate these two things again, so I'm going to hang a lantern every time I say it, but certain dynamites where it's like, oh, come on. Mate, you know how much of a football fan I am. I'll watch any football time. My team doesn't even play in a televised league, basically. But I would still religiously watch Match of the Day and Match of the Day 2 at the weekends because I just love watching football. Champions League football, Premier League football, whatever it may be. Stop watching football in lockdown because I just it had no no appeal to me. Yeah. And that's what would have happened to me in wrestling, I think. Indeed. If pro wrestling isn't going to transparently regulate itself or whatever, the least they can do is reward fans for sticking with it. Mm. Um because it, Jenny was a torturous time at times. And I just want the biggest, most extravagant, ridiculous, forbidden door spectacle in an American stadium with New Japan and AEW doing the full crossover show. Maybe they can do it in Arthur Ashe because they know they can sell it out, mm. provided they've got the right buzz and all the rest of it. It's the second time in the market, which is always a challenge. Uh, Arthur Ashe, or maybe even go bigger, bolder, grander, but I just think wrestling fans, and it's not... I mean, yeah, Tony Khan will thank everyone religiously after every Dynamite and all the rest of it. And, you know, he does... Sometimes his show, to its detriment, is so fan service friendly. Um, but I just want it, and I think wrestling fans deserve something monumental. Like, a great Dynamite is great, but this feels something... Just a little thank you. Mm. I can't say I'll thank you, you know, for ignoring the fact that we didn't really... Um, release certain things that we should have and all the rest of it. I just, 2020 was awful. And there doesn't even necessarily need to be title matches on that. Because if you're doing this, like you say, to service the diehards, if you're not a diehard, all you need is, this guy is the best at this weight in New Japan, or this is their champion in yeah. New Japan, and this is AEW's champion. But if you are a diehard, and I'm sure you could pluck 20 matches out of thin air of like, this guy's style would pair with this guy's style absolutely perfectly. And arguably, it could actually be something that New Japan might need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, just to make it perfectly clear, it doesn't absolve them of doing anything because New Japan were rubbish for speaking out as well. It's just the least they can do, in my opinion. It really is. 
Finally, uh, the number one entry on this list, as I said, you can still read it, 10 Huge Wrestling Moments Must Happen by 2022 uh, at whatculture.com, is, well, inferring someone, you don't have to necessarily talk about him in particular, but inferring that AW, it does well, but it's because of the WWE guys. That's the the performative take. Um, Less so now, despite the recent arrivals, because it's like, well, they're utilising talent that they clearly utilising far better than they were being used over there. Yeah. Sort of thing. But when it started, it was all like, you wouldn't be anything, though, without your Chris Jericho's and your JR on commentary and John Moxley, etc. Dean Ambrose. But the final nail in that coffin is a world champion. I mean, Kenny Omega is obviously world champion. I mean, did do WWE stuff, but like... Way, way off. Yeah, There's yeah. like a photo I can think of on the top of my head beyond beyond that, not really. But, you know, you've had Jericho's champion. You've had Moxley as champion. You've had people like Pac in and around challenging for it. You've got, you know, Punk and, and Cole and Danielson. The final nail in that performative coffin would be having a non-WWE guy become world champion. And... You know, there's a there's a fair few to choose from. We were talking literally on the review today about the four pillars of AEW, but there's one in particular that you and I have been talking about from the moment he appeared on the scene in AEW. Yes, absolutely. Um, you shouldn't book to thwart or ward off or rebook uh, bad faith actors. Because they're bad faith actors, they will always find something to complain about, whether it's warranted or not. It's simply what they do. So they shouldn't just strap up um, someone, uh, speech marks, homegrown talent, just to rub it in their faces because they'll find something else to do the cry laugh emoji about. Mm. But at the same time, you want long-term fans and prospective talents alike. And you also just want the right guy in the right spot who can tell the right stories and draw the right money. So there's three different reasons why they should do this. You want your fans to think, right, they might debut such and such on Dynamite in a month's time. You want them to think, right, if I keep watching them in two or three years' time, if they get over, they connect with the audience, they consistently perform, I can watch them go all the way to the top. That is crucial for fan investment. And again, we're talking like 5, 10, 15, 20 years that this thing might last. If you get someone who's enter the company is a relative unknown and can, within its meritocracy, win the big one, like, long-term fans will then follow someone and think, well, they might win the championship at some point. They are worth my yearly, annually emotional investment. So that's one reason why they should do it. The other reason is that if you're a professional wrestler and you are of a certain size and you come from a certain background and you've got a certain style, and you are amazing, and you are making the decision about where to advance your career, if AEW manages very quickly to strap up someone who many people didn't know about in early 2019 before Double or Nothing, late 2018, whatever, and then they become the world champion in like three years, if you're the latest indie name on the scene, and you're potentially big enough that WWE might take a look at you, you're thinking, well, if I go there and I'm the best Joe Blogs I could be and they'll change my name to just Joe <laughs> in WWE 
I'd rather be Joe Bloggs making loads of money for this mainstream outfit where if I get over, I'll become undeniable. So strategically, in terms of fan investment, talent recruitment, it's a great idea. The third reason is that MJF is a genius and he deserves a run with the world title and it's going to happen for him soon and it should happen soon. Like, on the Dynamite Review, I'm going to f- plug it again. You'll have listened to it if you're listening to this, one would hope. I've said that between the in- Dynamite Episode 1 and particularly Dyn- Dynamite Episode 2, in fact, MJF ran in to assist the elite when they were having a big brawl with the inner circle. One of the coolest moments of that brawl is that MJF, when the inner circle have Cody pinned back, he hovers the chair over his face as if to say, to foreshadow the turn, basically. And everyone's like, oh, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Because everyone knew it was going to happen at some point. And he instead decked the inner circle. From week two of Dynamite, MJF has done things like that that are implicit, teasing, foreshadowing to just actual story beats. Week to week to week to week to week, MJF has given you a reason to tune in next week. He's also one of the best promos of his generation. Another few months at this rate in the form he's in, he could be in the all-time conversation. Criminally underrated in the ring for his storytelling ability and his athletic ability, which he refuses to indulge too much. You know he can do it, he just doesn't want to do it because he knows the money is in saving a lot of these spots. He should be the world champion within a calendar year. Yeah, without question. I mean, you're not going to get any prestations from me. He already should be world champion because Moxley used an illegal move. But anyway, I don't talk about that. Like you say, uh, he's he's so good. You know, people often overlook, like you say, his in-ring ability because he's so good at saying... Your mum should have swallowed you to Brian Pillman Jr. Or I wish you were dead instead of your uncle to to Darby Allen or whatever. I think, you know, even someone like, and I don't want to bring in him into this conversation too much, but Cornette, I remember when they first had that battle royal. Um, I think yeah, it was double or nothing. I think I was lucky enough to be in attendance. You know, obviously, I think the last two were him and Hangman Page, if I'm not mistaken, in that. But the, the point, point I want to talk about is he comes in and he thinks... What's going to get me the most heat immediately? It's not going after Billy Gunn or Glacier or whoever it may be. Go after Lab with no legs because that's the easiest, the most heelish thing to do. And that's what he did. The personification of his knowledge of this character at such a young age is astonishing. And we talk often about bringing it back to the mainstream. And, you know, you and I kind of agree on the fact that wrestling's never going to be where it was. But if we cast our minds back to, like, The Miz being on Conan O'Brien and being a bit of a git, or John Cena being all pally with Jimmy Fallon or whatever it may be, imagine, I mean, you've seen him, like, people share clips of, like, him being interviewed by, like, Alicia Atu or whatever and just slagging her off. And, like, everyone's like, who the hell's this guy? And this is when he's on the indies and stuff like that. Imagine giving him five minutes on... I don't know, any talk show or yeah. something like that. You want to make people go... If you want someone who, will, who outside of being phenomenal in the ring, because he is, like you say, who will make people go, who's this knobhead? I need to see more from this guy. Yeah. And either like him or dislike him and, like you say, invest in it. It's Maxwell Jacob Friedman, isn't it? Indeed. And he knows precisely where the line is. Like He knows where the line is perfectly drawn. None of his material comes across as edgelord, 4chan deliberately provocative just to get a reaction. Mm. He walks, struts to that line 
cuts promos on it and then walks back and then next week he goes right to it again. Mm-hmm. He can be trusted. He's too clever. He can be trusted to go on to, it's a great idea, by the way, onto these mainstream news outlets like The Tonight Show or whatever and do just enough to go viral and not get into trouble. Mm. And just to bring it back to the central point, as much as you know, I talk about this all the time, the goalpost being moved by the performative people, I mean, they might say, well, yeah, but he tried to get in WWE. He said nothing to tough enough. But in terms of, like, homegrown talent, you, you, just to come back to something you mentioned as well, without AEW, I wouldn't know who Eddie Kingston was. I'd heard his name. Yeah. But I went, who the hell's this guy? And he came out and cut that promo and faced, um, faced Cody. Or Darby Allen, for example, another person. I was like, oh, I've heard all this stuff about Darby Allen, but I've never got around to watching him. Yeah. He, MJF is another one who is someone that AEW's gone... You know, you're never you're never going to get someone who's literally never wrestled before. Pull them out of the crowd and make. But this is the best the best version of that. Well, that's the weird thing. People do think that because of Cena, Orton, Batista, Lesnar, WWE, and their developmental system has. That's what I'm looking for here. Galvanized these uh, mutants <laughs> into thinking that there is such a thing as a homegrown talent. Or because they're the biggest game they are in town, they are automatically WWE homegrowns. And because it's the only place where you can be a star, if you're ex-WWE, then that means you were made in WWE. And it's just a bollocks concept in general. There's no such thing as a... Name some absolute schmuck zone indie in America. You can't because the majority of these places where these guys get their starts haven't heard of mm. because they are the smallest games in town and then they get the first gig in front of 12 people like oh it's um championship wrestling from cincinnati ohio homegrown star doesn't, it doesn't work like that <laughs> it just does not work like this and the beauty of all this is whether it be hangman page becoming world champion or mjf becoming world champion the beauty of AEW is that's still going to happen in spite of all these huge new arrivals you you and i may have changed our opinions as to when and where this is going to happen. But when we sat here a year, two years ago and said, right, it goes to Jericho and it goes to Mox. We may have not plotted it exactly, but it goes Jericho, it goes to Mox, it goes to Omega. And then we're like, he has to hang on. Then immediately goes to MJF because yeah. that's a brilliant story. And like, I think you even, actually, I'm going to plug another article of yours, I think. Apologies if this isn't yours, but you've talked in the past about like future champions for AEW. And there's even articles at whatculture.com about the lineage of the next, like, 10 people who could be world champion and how it can transition from person to person. And the fact that people can fantasy book that without thinking, yeah, but what if Goldberg shows up? Is, yeah, no. is, is the Is the icing on the cake, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. That one's not my article, but feel free to read it. It might be good. Yeah, it is good. It's it's a wonderful plotting of how it can transition to a Darby Allen or a Sammy Guevara or whatever and these pillars of, of AEW that we've seen showcased so brilliantly. On Dynamite, and check out our Dynamite review if you haven't done so already. But let us know your thoughts on what we've discussed and other huge wrestling moments that must happen by 2022 at What Culture WWE. Watch they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at um, Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. For now, though, this has been another top 10 debate. My thanks to this article's author, Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.